Welcome to the Youthscape podcast, the podcast for Christians who work with young people. Hello, friends, and welcome to another In the Youthscape podcast, a podcast for people who work with young people. And I'm joined with my lovely friend, Martin Saunders, and my name is Rachel Gardner, and it is our joy and delight to bring this to you today. Martin, how are you doing? I'm well. I'm well, thank you. Yes. You know when people ask you that question, and you you feel, as a British person, you have to say, I'm fine. But I am fine. Oh, are you? Yeah, absolutely fine. And I just say that we record, people know that we record these like all over the place and a lot of times. It, this is the graveyard shift because we're oh. after lunch. And I think your eyes, even as I was saying to you, how are you? Your eyes glazed over. Yeah. Am I going to be fighting to keep you awake no, in this podcast episode? Fantastic. No, no, just don't make your voice too lilting. <laughs> I, um, I had a triple chocolate shortbread Ooh, with, with lunch. That is good. It was good, but it has, it's immediately started to sort of take about Congeal. 30% of my brain capacity. What what is your like pre lunch snack? So and then what is your post lunch snack? Or like what's your mid morning snack? What, of you, how many snacks do you want me to eat? I have many. What, snacks. what are you implying? No, no, no implications here. Is at this all. an opportunity for you to talk about your cucumber? <laughs> yes, I think it is. Come on, just start there. So basically, I complained. I mean, how awful is this? At the beginning of lockdown, do you remember me complaining? that there were no baby cucumbers in the shop. Yep, which remember is that. Yeah. A terrible, a terrible thing to have complained about. And I repented in dust and ashes. And also got really excited that baby cucumbers have made their way to the northwest of England. And I feel like I have an unhealthy like obsession about baby cucumbers. Can you have an unhealthy obsession about something that's really healthy? I uh, love I, them. I think you can have anything in excess. Can't you can. You? That's a very good point, actually. There's no such thing as good or bad food. It's just the excess. So, um, but the thing is, I have two little children who often struggle to eat healthy food. And I find that cucumbers are the thing that if I get a cucumber, like if I, if I eat a cucumber, I go to bed feeling like I've not been a terrible mother in terms of their diet. Yeah. To the point, Martin, that regularly now, the three of us will maybe go in the car somewhere and we will all have a cucumber and we will all eat a whole cucumber not a baby, each. Not a baby no one. a big one we will or even the three-year-old he's munching his way wow sometimes i find large chunks congealed between car oh, seats on the floor yeah. because it doesn't travel but on the i mean they are amazing and i think i have just one ollie over to it before we came on air i was telling him how you open a cucumber so there we go so what, what do you sorry what a cucumber <laughs> Very good. I, I don't think cucumber would ever be on my top 1,000 snacks. Would it not? Why? No. It's so handy. Well, it, well, it fits it's in portable. your hand. It's portable, yes. isn't but, it? But I mean, only in the sense that you can carry any object. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think, I mean, I just, it feels to me like sort of watery mush. I can't, oh, I can't so get my head good. around it. It is so good. Maybe I've got a major iron deficiency and I'm dragging my children into that as well. But I just, it's so good. I, I like a snack. What I've found I've done during um, this period of sort of working from home more. So I'm I'm working from home much more Mm. often. And obviously my wife's at work, my kids are at school. And I just, the fridge is just there. It's just calling my name. Does it actually call your name? No, it's not like a really clever fridge. It's not like internet enabled fridge. That would be (laughs) bad. There's a cucumber. (laughs) That would be bad, wouldn't it? Um, And you know Paul McKenna? 
Yes. Who's like a he's like a hypnosis guy, and he he has this big system where he's like, put a question mark on your fridge, and so you can always ask yourself, do I really need to eat that? That is genius. And what I have a question mark on my fridge, and it's always like, oh, what's inside? No, oh, the avenue of possibilities. Then, yeah, and then I and then I just go. Oh. I, I love. I tell you what, I've got very into, and this is this is gross, but is it almost the same shape as a cucumber? Is the pepperoni? Oh, it's like the opposite end of the food chain, oh, I isn't love it? The pepperoni. I mean, what is it made of, though, Martin? Do we know? It's almost certainly none of the animals. <laughs> that, um, <laughs> the, the other week we talked about the big five. Oh it's yeah, probably like a bit of elephant. Oh no! Yeah, a bit of cheetah. We've now all become vegans overnight. Thank you. That's very good. Didn't bit for the planet. So, um, those of us who, <laughs> those of you, me and Martin have been there the whole time. Those of you that are just joining us, yes, because you like this country that we're going to stay. Yeah. Welcome to us. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to our new podcast season, which yes. we're calling Planet Youthscape. Oh, we've got there eventually. Uh, every single episode of this season has a new name. Yes. Mainly because I think we were we were almost overly confident with yeah, our previous two confident. seasons. Yeah. We were too confident. It just, it bombed. So um, we're now thinking about... Um, Traveling around the world and meeting people and listening to stories from the cold face, people who are doing youth ministry in a whole variety of contexts. And it is so, I mean, it is amazing. It has, we hoped it would be great. It is greater than great, isn't it, Martin? It's been extraordinary. We're meeting new friends every week and just terrifying different people in different countries using Zoom or this this thing we use called Squadcast. You hear us mention Squadcast, but it's the, it's the thing we use to record things. And people meet us for the first time. We've never met them before. No. We should just say, actually, it's probably a, a moment to say there have been two or three people who've been incredibly instrumental in setting this series of interviews up. And so we're really grateful to Evie and to Colin and to Bob who've um, who've helped us to do that. Um, but obviously these people have never met us no, before. No. They We pop up. We're a lot, aren't we? Yes. We're a lot to deal with. Even one of us <laughs> is quite a lot to deal with. But you're in a, you're on the other side of the world. Yeah. You're just on your, your lunch break. Time zone. You, I mean, it could be in the middle of the night. The guy and, in Australia, yes. it was like 10 o'clock. Yeah, exactly. And they just meet us and it's it's a yeah, lot to deal with. It is a lot so to we're deal really with. sorry. Yeah, we are very sorry. Although we learned from him that we're a little bit too sorry because he was like, I'm not apologising for stuff that's happened in the past. I mean, he gave us a good schooling, didn't he? he in did. how not to apologise. Yeah, very good. Very good. So we need to stop doing that. But it is so exciting. And today, people we are going to turkey ah, which is just incredible i've turkey. never been to turkey have you not no i'd love to go to turkey um but more interestingly i've i don't think i've ever spoken to a leader from turkey so this okay. really excites me because i feel like i'm gonna learn lots but before that happens people fun facts about turkey yes <laughs> you've been waiting for this we trailed this since since the first episode fun facts fun give facts us some fun turkey. facts so, about turkey okay so number one because all of them so far have been about mountains there are two mountain major mountain ranges in turkey i don't know who they are what they are or what they do but there are two major mountain ranges wow. are so there they turkish go. alps <laughs> let's call them the turkish alps i actually knew a turkish guy called alp once well, i'm not even him. joking maybe it's him is he was a man mountain there we go. Yes. Beautiful. Okay. okay. Now, the next one. You know this fact, people, but it might be hiding in the re in the back of your retina. Not, not, no, your brain. Back of your retina? Santa Claus <laughs> was born in Turkey. He was based on a true historical character around 300 AD, a holy man. He was really, he really cared about really deprived communities and children in his community. So Santa Claus comes from Turkey. Is that St. Nicholas? Yes. You look as if you have I no idea about that. that. I, I knew 
that already. Wow. That wow. Great that's fact. A, yeah, brilliant. Now, Turkey, this is a great one, is responsible for 75% of the world's hazel exports. Hazel what? As nuts. Oh, hazel nuts. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> hazel well, eye colours? nuts as opposed okay. to anything. What else could be hazel? Well, I don't know. Are people called hazel? I don't know. Maybe there's a lot of people called hazel who, ca- <laughs> who can't deal with living in Turkey because it's too common. So they go somewhere else. They all leave. So apologies if you're called hazel from Turkey. Uh, Turkey, now this is a great one for all of us that have been like moaning and like longing for shops. Turkey has one of the oldest and largest shopping malls in the world. 61 streets and 3,000 shops in wow. one mall. You you want to be there, don't you? I am right there already. You want to go. <laughs> in my head. That's it's a amazing. Bizarre. Now, this one is especially for you, okay? You mustn't laugh for this one. Okay, okay it's I won't very laugh. serious. Oil wrestling is the national sport. <laughs> And the way they described it on Wikipedia is it says this bulky men stripped to the waist. Hang on. Drenched in olive oil. I've missed my calling. I'm a bulky man. <laughs> but it's the national sport. So, so hang on, what do I need serious. to do? You just strip down to the waist and be drenched in olive oil. We were looking for a big, like, tent pole finish on Saturday night at the National Youth Ministry <laughs> weekend. How about me and Chris Curtis stripped to the waist, wrestling in olive oil? I mean, again, I found this online. If it's not what happens, I'm very sorry, but I just think that's great. Wow. Now. You've really come back I, from the whole Vegemite <laughs> debacle. I've got two more facts, and I'm going to save the Christian one for end, because it's an awesome one. But this next fact is not about the country, it's about the animal. Actual turkeys. Actual turkeys sleep in trees, and you can tell their gender by their poo. Oh, oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm loving this. How can you? I have no idea. Is it because when they go to the go for a poo, they know. spray loads of air freshener? I didn't even bother finding out. I just was like, "That's the fact." If wow. you know it, you know it. And then, of course, Turkey, the first Christian church, was located in Antioch. So oh, what a history? Redemption. You know, like Paul's early missionary journey. So what a country. I mean, what wow. culture and diversity and beauty and hazels coming out of their ears and olive oil everywhere. I mean, what a fantastic wow. place. And, and we should just be clear, the, the bird a turkey. Yeah. But is no connection to no, the no, country. No, I just couldn't resist slipping that one in. Very good. Well, I've been to Turkey. Oh. Yeah, I, I went when I was about 21 um and i'm not sure i was entirely living the christian life at the time uh, and i went with a few friends of mine and we went on one of these sort of party holiday things and um and i got um really sick really early on i'm not going to say it was the lord's judgment because i don't believe in that sort of thing but it certainly kept me honest and <laughs> i um so i about the second or third day i came down with just an unbelievable upset stomach mm. that pretty much took me out of action and we managed to because we were 19 20 years old we um we booked a cheap hotel which meant a hotel without air conditioning oh, and it's obviously no. about 40 degree heat oh, and then no. if you've ever had an upset stomach in 40 degree heat it's it's not pleasant rach it's accelerated isn't it i mean you exacerbated you could certainly have told my gender <laughs> on that holiday <laughs> so um so then then basically i got like about I had about seven or eight days this two-week holiday completely ruined no. just on the loo. No. And then on about the penultimate um, day when I was feeling better, we were walking uh, along and we saw that you, you had to buy filtered water 
because you can't drink, you, or I certainly can't drink the water there. And um, and we we walked past a little um, uh, little passageway between two shops, and we saw little boys filling up uh, big bottles Genius. of plastic plastic water bottles from a tap, yep. which they were then running off to sell to people like entrepreneurs. Me. But of course, they were they were filling it up with tap water yeah. and selling it as. So that's what I drank. Oh, and that's why that's I was why so Ill. very ill. And I've actually dedicated my life to finding those boys, <laughs> tracking them down <laughs> and uh, and punishing them. So is that what's, are we now chatting to a descendant from one yes, of Yes, that's why that we've actually done this entire season of the podcast. <laughs> because on the line is Alp from Turkey, <laughs> who poisoned me in 1998. Oh, fantastic. No, that's not true. It is funny, isn't it, these stories? So I have similar-ish stories with Spain and Portugal. And, it, and I think the tragedy in many ways is when I was late teen, early 20s, I went to countries because I wanted to have my fun. And I... I stayed in certain areas. Mm. I think the older I get, the more I think, oh, actually going to other countries, it's about finding out about people, isn't it? And meeting people. And mm. particularly in terms of youth ministry tribe, it's not about taking what we do, but thinking, what are you guys doing? What are you innovating? What can we discover from your context? So we are going to share our stories and then leave our stories so that we can receive new stories. Oh, wow, Rach. That's like you've written half oh, a talk know. there. I think I did. That you need to edit it, but it was a good start. <laughs> It's definitely going in the notes file, isn't it? It's lovely. It's going in the notes. So I think what's nice about this series, the podcast, is it may maybe we've um, we've sort of had a we've had a bad period in in youth ministry in the UK for a, for a couple of reasons. We are obviously in the midst of a bit of a long term crisis of of decline, but also we've seen in the last uh, eighteen months just this massive cut to our numbers and a hit to our finances and volunteers and all these kind of different mm. hits that covid have, has given to us and i wonder whether this is just a this is a moment to humble ourselves actually yeah, and listen yeah. to others and i wonder whether we've been i know i haven't been particularly good at listening to voices of other people around the world and listening to what practice is going on in other places so this is just a great moment to do that um and so we've got another brilliant guest oh, wait. Uh, another brilliant interview for us uh coming up now uh, so we're going to be speaking to mary robin who is not turkish but uh, is married to a Turkish man and part of uh, a youth ministry in Turkey. Uh, so here's what happened when we spoke to her. So we're joined today on the Youthscape podcast uh, by Mary Robin, who is in Turkey. Uh, whereabouts in Turkey are you, Mary Robin? I live in Istanbul, so I've been here for about uh, 13 years. And I work with my husband, Jakub. Yeah, and, and you work in youth ministry. So just tell us a little bit about what you do with young people. Yes, we uh, volunteer, actually, uh, with a ministry called Uyanish Genshli, which means uh, the revival for youth. And it started in 2008, completely voluntarily, uh, locally led, with the vision that one day there will be more Christians in Turkey. And so we need to prepare the believers now for what will be coming in the future. Uh, so we really have a, a real um, vision for raising up leaders. And our big priority is unity among the churches. So, you know, people might have different denominations, different theological views, but if they are friends with each other, if they uh, believe in the unity of the church as a whole, then that's going to really help the country and help everybody. So that's been the mission since the beginning, um, and it's been really wonderful. It's grown over the years. It started out in Istanbul, and now 
It meets in many different cities and never has it been the, you know, us pushing to take it places. There's a leadership team and they get invited basically by people saying, we want this in our city too. We want this in our city too. Because um, as you may know, there aren't that many Christians in Turkey. It's a country of millions, but the number of yeah. believers is in the thousands. And yeah, so there might... Yeah. Could you paint a bit of a picture for us of what, what the church is like you know, across Turkey? And then where does youth ministry fit within that? Of course. Uh, yes. So I would say if you look at the big cities in Turkey, Istanbul or the capital Ankara, you'll find churches there. You can look them up online. People can find them fairly easily. But once you step out of those main hubs, it's a very different picture in Turkey. Uh, there might be whole regions where there might be a church, but it's very quiet. Uh, it doesn't have a website. You can't find it. Or there might be none at all. And so the chances as a young person, a Turkish young person, the chance of you meeting a Christian are very slim if you don't live in a major city. Uh, it's a country of probably 80, over 80 million people and a high percentage of young people. I would say, I think... Uh, they say between 15 and 24 year olds, there's um, over 15 million people in that age range. So it's a fast growing country with lots of young people and, and a lot of young people with a lot of questions, um, but they don't know who to ask them, uh, ask the questions <laughs> or they don't know who to ask. Uh, and so because of social, social media, because of the internet, there are lots more opportunities now, of course, uh, to get questions answered in Turkish. Um, but still, it's a challenge for people to, you know, meet a Christian. Um, they kind of see it based on Hollywood or American culture, or Western culture. They don't know what that means. But uh, it's changing, I would say. And the local churches, what's nice is, again, with our ministry, you might have somebody might find a church, but they'll be the only person in, you know, 18 to 25 age range at that church, which can feel very isolating or lonely. And so our ministry is there to come alongside them. They can come and then see other young people who are also believers. And that can be an astonishing thing for people, especially university students. They think they're the only believer. They come to the big city or Istanbul or Ankara for university. They hear about a church, they go visit it, maybe there's one or two young people, and then they're able to come to one of our meetings, which don't meet on Sundays, they meet on uh, Saturdays, and suddenly they see, oh, there's a hundred other young people who are also believers. I'm not as lonely as I thought I was. And so it's been a really great uh, opportunity to just encourage people who might otherwise feel really ostracized, mm. might feel like they're the only ones um, in their families, in, you know, their whole city, uh, they get an opportunity to build a community. That's amazing. And Mary Robin is, is such a brilliant insight because I, I, I can imagine what a lifeline that must feel like for somebody who, as you say, thinks they're the only one and they meet many others. Um, we've been sort of traveling around the world, listening to different youth workers talk about specifically the last 12 months and what, what does it look like in their country and to do youth ministry? So, so what does it look like in, in Turkey, both in the, the big metropolitan cities where there is more visibility online? around youth ministry but what's it look like across the whole country what, what's your what's your sense of what's happened 
It's been such an interesting time. It, uh, you know, I was thinking about the question of creativity and, you know, we've had to really change our style because everything was in person. You know, to build relationships with people, you need to be in person with them. You need to be seeing them getting together. And so to have that just completely taken off the table as not an option. And, and in Turkey, they've been very strict about lockdowns, about um, no Sundays. I mean, I think there may have been one or two months where Sundays were not locked down. But other than that, no opportunity for anybody to go to an, a church or have any type of in-person group meeting. And so to have that just completely taken off the table, it meant either we were going to take an indefinite break or it meant we were going to really have to change what we were doing. And so we just moved completely online, as I'm sure other people have told you, that really became where the ministry was. And, you know, it was so interesting. We saw a huge drop among people who had who were young in the 18 to 25 or 30 age range, uh, young people who had been believers for several years. So maybe they become a believer in high school or university and continued um, maybe five or six years or 10 years even. They Their participation really went down. And we just saw a lot of people feeling very depressed, really struggling spiritually because they'd had that church experience. They'd had the in-person experience and that was taken away from them. But on the other hand, we had for the first time, like we've never been an evangelizing ministry. Our ministry has always been two people who are already believers. But for the first time, we had all these people reaching out to us who had never, you know, met a Christian, had never thought about Christianity. And and, you know, the person who was most creative in the scenario was God. I mean, God was just reaching out to these young people during the pandemic. And we were getting, we, or we started, and we had, it continues, all these messages from people who will say things like, I had a dream and I heard the name Jesus. And so I looked it up and your, your website came up or your Instagram post came up about something. Or somebody will say, oh, I remember this foreign student from several years ago who used to pray to Jesus. So I'm curious about that. I mean, you can just, all these people who'd never had a church, never knew about the Bible, really. Suddenly, they were just flooding us with messages, watching the social media videos, um, participating in meetings. So that has been really interesting. But unfortunately, there was that other side where we saw people who had been believers for several years just really were under attack during this time. And I think it's because they'd had that physical experience and that was taken away from them. Um, but maybe the roots weren't strong enough or or they just uh, were grappling with how, how to deal with this challenge. And yet, on the other hand, you have all these people who suddenly were meeting Jesus during the pandemic. And and because of social media, you can be anonymous if you want. You don't have to share your real name with us. You can message us privately. It enabled people to just uh, ask questions. They could never have found a person in their area to ask of. Incredible. Incredible. Wow. So, I mean, that's, that's amazing because you, you've... Um you've actually seen some hope stories in a time where most of us would be thinking, 
gosh, this has been pretty desperate. I mean, certainly in the UK, our perspective has been this, is, this has been a difficult time, but you, you've seen both sides really, but that is really exciting. Um, what is, just paint us a bit of a picture of what it's like growing up in, in Turkey and, and particularly what are the barriers, what are the challenges uh, for actually reaching uh, Turkish young people with the Christian faith? Right. I think uh, one of the major things to note is just that there is no, uh, there is no, um, it's not illegal to be a Christian. It's not illegal to change your faith in Turkey. There is no law against that. And we've never had a problem when we've met in person. Uh, we've never, you know, no young people have ever been dissuaded from coming because of, uh, I would say, because of politics or things like that. However, there is a very strong uh, cultural peer pressure, I guess would be the word, from families, especially because this is just something unheard of. Um, it, it's not in, like I said before, you, you would not meet a Christian on a street in most cities. You would, if you turned on a movie, Christianity means Western culture. It does not mean Jesus. And there's a lot of misunderstanding um, coming from uh, Islam and these other things about what Christians believe. A lot of people, uh, I have taught English for many years here, and a lot of my students thought that we celebrated Christmas on uh, New Year's Eve because they equated the holidays. And these were very well-educated people who did not realize uh, that they were two different holidays. So you have a lot of misinformation, uh, which people have to get through. And you have a lot of family pressure, of course. Uh, a lot of people, even if their families are not religious, it's it's in many ways like it is in America or in the UK. You know, maybe you were baptized as a child, but you never set foot in the door of a church, but you call yourself a Christian. It's very similar here uh, for many educated people where uh, you're religious identity is just part of your cultural identity, but it doesn't need to be, um, you don't need to research it very deeply. However, to change it would, in a sense, be almost a betrayal of your cultural identity then. And so this is the big pressure that people have to face. And I think for young people, again, this is the importance of seeing other people, having a community, realizing you're not the only one, because to step out and say, I have this cultural identity, I am Turkish, but I also believe in Jesus. These can seem like uh, opposite things to their families, to the people around them. And so to know that you're not the only one who has this type of identity is very important for young people. And I think also, unfortunately, there is a huge rise in atheism in Turkey. A lot of young people are very uh, disillusioned with the things that have been happening the last several years. The pandemic has been very disillusioning, I think, for people. And so there has been, a, especially, I would say, among university students, uh, the no amount of atheism has really increased. However, there's also been, we've heard from many people who say, I don't believe in what I was taught as a child. I don't believe in that. But I can't quite make peace with the idea that there's no God. There must be a God. So let me see if I can find him in something else. And so I do think that uh, this also brings a lot of questions. There is this cultural 
you know, belief in one God and belief in justice and, you know, they have that very clearly and they don't, you know, they can't quite make peace with atheism. So they start to look for something else. And this is where, again, we're not sitting there saying, come to us, come to us. But they're coming with their questions. They're coming with their curiosity. And we're able to really, you know, show them, all right, there is truth. There is a God. So what would you say are some of the creative and exciting ways that that you're sort of beginning to do youth ministry maybe a little bit differently because of what you've learned through the pandemic and, and young people accessing you online, maybe more anonymously and, and the shifting cultures in Turkey. What what do you think are some of the, the more creative things you're going to be doing moving out this season? Well, we're, we're very excited to go back to in-person meetings, to be honest. It will be really nice to see a lot of these people who we've just met online and we've just heard their names and, you know, you don't really know what they're actually like. So it'd be nice to see people uh, in person. But for now, we have... Um, I would say the big thing we've done that has worked really well is a combination of a Zoom meeting where people can actually talk to each other. You know, again, they can black out their screen if they want. They don't have to put their real names. So they're able to be a bit anonymous if they'd like, but they can still actually talk. And uh, we do like breakout rooms and they can discuss things. And then we'll follow that up with a YouTube premiere of a worship time and then a, a pastor, a local pastor shares a, a encouragement during that time. And so this combination of a bit of YouTube where, you know, you're just watching and then a bit of interaction through Zoom has been really good. But I wish I could say there's there was a major creative uh, thing we've come up with. But I would just say, I mean, social media has uh, enabled us to hear really interesting things from people in all different parts of the country. I mean, normally, yeah, we would just be with people in Istanbul, but we're hearing from people in parts of the country where you're just like, how can there be a Christian there? <laughs> and I think what's so exciting about that is you guys are doing this all as volunteers, aren't you? So like you've got other things going on in your life, but you're saying actually as as all of this changed, we want to do this differently. And that really inspires me, just that sense of going after these young people that are seeking you out and seeking to do that. That That is so inspiring. That is so inspiring for us to hear. Yes, I think Please, I would def definitely encourage everybody. It, it doesn't take money. It doesn't take finances to really make a difference. Uh, you know, the we have a whole team. I mean, it's a very small team, but of local people who are just, you know, they're putting their free time into this. Um, they're t putting their weekends into this. And, and like you said, we haven't had to work to have everything coming to us. It, it feels like God is just pouring it out. And we are just the fortunate people who are sitting there using our time uh, for this. And I'm just so, I mean, we're just so thankful that he's using this. Amazing. Mary Robin, thank you so much for giving thank up you. your time. I've really appreciated talking to you. Yes, thank you so much. It, I'm so thankful for this opportunity. So please pray for the believers in Turkey. We definitely need it. Rachel. Yes. What are you doing with your summer in 2022? I am bringing young people from the northwest of England to satellites. Yes. Come on. Yes. Can't wait. So excited. So we couldn't do it. 
this year, no. obviously, just in case you hadn't got the, the memo. It's not on next month. Mm. Um, but uh, we are planning now for uh, August 2022. It's the 9th to the 13th at the East of England Showground. It's going to be amazing. Um, we've got a load of speakers announced now. We can tell people speakers. Yes. Um, we've got Emma Borkai and Governor B. We've got uh, Miriam Swanson coming over. We've got Andy Croft. We've got uh, Lauren Wendell. We've got Rachel Gardner. <laughs> we've got Aaron Nyagam. We've got, I'm, I'm going to be there probably. Yes. It's going to be brilliant. Mm -hmm. um, very excited. And now we've just released tickets as well. So you can actually book tickets for the cheapest price you will ever get them. So you can save up to £30 if you book before the end of July. So good. It's got, you've got yeah, to just so do it. so good. Every, literally every penny counts, doesn't it? But so now is the time to do it. Here's the thing. You're thinking, oh, how do I get my youth group to book for a conference festival that's like a year away? How do you do that, Rach? How do you get them enthused? You make it part of your, your thing. This is what you do. And I think, uh, so we're involved in a church plant, so partly we're telling our young people, yes, this is what we're going to be doing. But we're seeing it as the, the space during the year where we can really deepen relationships. We can get, they can sort of engage with other Christians in other contexts and other places. So we're really seeing it as a, as a space that we'll be able to do what we can't do in many ways. And I think, I I feel like in Blackburn, it has been the easiest sell. Now, I'm not asking them for money yet, and we're going to be doing lots of fundraising ourselves. But it's been a really easy sell to say, guys, we're going to be going away together. We're going to be hanging out together. We're going to be eating our meals together. We're going to be doing some stuff together. That that has been so easy. They're jumping at that. So I think there are young people that are just desperate to know what what is the plan, guys? What's on the horizon? Yeah. So it's worth doing because you are going to save a bunch of money if you do it now. Yeah. Uh, so get it will help us a massive amount as well, by the way. Um, but if you can get your young people together and try and get them to commit to it now, get yourself booked in, uh, and you will save a lot of money by doing that before the end of July. You just need to go to wearesatellites.com. Yeah. I guess one thing you could do, actually, if you need to kind of ramp up to it, what about if different adults in the church kind of were responsible for praying for a named young person, just the first yeah. name, and also maybe helping to resource that young person going to satellites. Yeah, what an absolutely. amazing way to get your adults in your church invested and aware of it too. Get it on the church timeline, not just the youth ministry timeline. Get the church excited about it too. I'm excited. Yes. I, mean, I should hope so. So that's it for another edition of the Youthscape podcast. We've so had fun, haven't we? So much fun. Uh, so we're going to be back again with another completely different uh, global destination next time. But from now, from Rachel and me. Bye.